All right. Welcome, everyone, to He's Done It, a mostly sports podcast. I'm Corey Novotny, and today I am glad to be reunited with both Benjamin Carlson and Brian Wells. This is the first time in a month we've all been on together. And as fun as it was, uh, in a way, to record just by myself, it's great to have my co-host back, especially for this very special episode. And that is because it is the 50th episode of He's Done It. So, tremendous milestone on our part. We'll be talking about a little bit of the history of the show, kind of how we formed, um, talking about some of our favorite moments, some of our best and worst takes, which uh, Brian says he has a lot more of uh, the latter of those. I mean, if you guys have been listening, like, yeah, I don't have really many good takes. All my takes go into flames. Uh, We're going to wrap up today's episode with our top five 50 things in honor of the 50th episode, so a very wide variety of what that means. Uh, definitely excited for that countdown. But before we get into any of that, let's talk a little NFL. It is the offseason, but in the NFL, there's really no offseason. It's constantly having stuff going on. And yeah, we're going to have free agency starting soon. We get the draft coming up. But before any of that can go down, there's a lot of business that the owners and the players need to get down to. And that is in the process of happening via the new proposed collective bargaining agreement. So there's a lot of stuff going on in this one. And we're kind of go through some of the details and give our thoughts on the different pieces. Definitely a lot of things I like and a lot of things I don't like. Um, But let's start uh, using this helpful uh, USA Today sports article. Uh, The the first uh, foremost thing is they're looking to expand the regular season to 17 games. And as part of this, the players are going to actually get a pay raise um, going from 47% of the revenue to 48%. Uh, and ultimately 48.5%, which when you're in a giant industry like the NFL, it could be about $5 billion total for the players. But of course, there's a trade-off of the 17th game. So what are you guys' thoughts on a 17-game regular season? Well, first, I just want to say that 48% around there, it makes sense because obviously the players are only doing half of the work. The owners are obviously doing more than half of the work. That's why we tune in every week to watch is because of the owners, right? So it makes perfect sense to me that you the get owners to watch make Jerry Jones watch wipe off his glasses every, every right. week. On, <laughs> and that's the best part. Prime time. That ends up being the part of the game that people watch replays of and the part that people break down and analyze. And the reason why little kids become lifelong fans is because they love ownership. So already off the off the jump, I think it makes perfect sense that the players are getting less than half of the revenue because they're not really even contributing very much. So uh, I love the CBA to start off. You know, as sad as those numbers are, like when you put it like that, these are still like good percentages compared to other sports. The NFL is a pioneer leading the uh, the pro player movement. Um, 
I mean, g- getting that percent raise is good. I agree it is kind of silly that the players don't get at least 50% of the revenue sharing. Um, but it, it also does seem like this should be available with just 16 games. I don't know why we need to add an odd number 17th game uh, to the slate. And I, I like it, it just feels weird, like having 17 games like all of a sudden you're gonna have teams finish like 10 and 7 instead of 10 and 6 like how is that 17th game gonna work you need to get nine home games is it just gonna be a neutral site game i think maybe that could be kind of interesting depending on where those games are played but to me you know i'm I'm, i think i'm willing to go to 17 games if it means players get some better deals financially so i don't know how you guys feel about that from a fan's perspective but um thinking about the players yeah as a consumer of the game i i hate the 17 game schedule and one you kind of just said right there i hate the like one year you'll have nine home games and eight away games and then the next year it'll be nine away games and eight home games it'll just it's just flipping flipping over every season i i hate that i wish it was just an even number and the other reason why i hate it is because i mean let's face it nfl has the best uh it's the best sport to watch out of the four major sports. And a big reason for that is because their season is so much shorter than the other three. I mean, NHL, NBA, they're 82 games. MLB is 162 games, which is ridiculous. But NFL, it's just 16 games. And uh, we don't need to add more to the product. It's just silly. And I also hate, now that you mentioned it, I also hate the seven teams in each conference making the playoffs because and, and then not only that we'll, we'll but, get to that one let's focus on the 17 okay. games for now okay yeah, yeah i okay, just so I hate, hate it just to play devil's advocate with the 17 games and, and this is true of any addition of the like our extension of the schedule is it gives fringe players more opportunities to try to make a name in the league like if you're not one of these big name players who's looking at this is like, oh, now I got to do more work. They're, they look at it as like, okay, this is added opportunity because the more games that are played, the more people are going to get injured and the more that next man up is going to get that chance to play. So for like the, you know, the, the bottom of the barrel players, I can see why you would want to have more games. Also, if your salary isn't that much, adding this extra game does, and like that's a larger percentage of the money you're earning compared to other players. Like that, that could be the difference for you, um, you know, to some extent. But at the same time, once you go to 17 games, you're not going back to 16 games. No, it's only no, going it's, up from here. Yep. So, I, to tell you the truth. Like I love football and I wouldn't be opposed to there being a longer season if it meant there were more bye weeks. Um, I think like that's one problem I have with the 16 game schedule is that having one bye week, especially depending on where it comes in the season, can impact your season tremendously. Um, if anything, I would be happy to just leave it at 16 and just add an extra bye week. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I think that would be the best way to go. Um, but I think just going back to the the basis of this, we've already got such a neat and tidy eight and eight home and away schedule. And to mess that up and be like, ah, well, we're not going to win the Super Bowl this year because we've got nine away games. Like we'll have to wait till next year. That's when we should really, that's our winning year. I I hate that idea. Um, Leave it at like, at least I I don't want to go up to, um, to 18 games, but 17 is definitely not where you want to be. 
Yeah. So the the NFL has the perfect scheduling formula right now that no other league has. At least in no- North America, the Big Four, um, playing two games each against your divisional opponents, and then you play four games against one division in the other conference, and then four games against another team in your conference, and then you have a 15th and 16th game against the other division in your conference based on the place you finished in the standings. It's perfect. And adding 17 games is totally disrupting that. And how's that going to work? So I I can't imagine they're really going to do nine home, eight away, or vice versa. I do think that this is going to be a way for the NFL to play more international games, get more games in London, more games in Mexico City, more games in, who knows, Japan, Australia, spreading around the globe. Are they going to play games maybe experimenting at new locations? You know, Would we have seen games in Las Vegas for years, games in LA for years before this? So... Uh, I do think that it'll be kind of interesting to see what they do with that 17th game, but it, it does kind of feel like they're they're breaking something that's perfect. And I don't know that 17 is necessarily better than 18 just because it's one last game. Right, so. I agree. Um, so the next part of this that Brian alluded to is in addition to a 17th game, something that I, I dislike even more is adding a seventh playoff team. And that means a lot coming from me because this is a Steelers rule. If you look back at the last 10 years, the four times the Steelers missed the playoffs, they would now get in. But you're taking away a bye week, setting up a two versus seven matchup, one where the two seed does not need to be playing this game, in my opinion. I think that the two seed very much is deserving of that bye week. And that's another case where you look at the playoffs. You have two teams get a bye that win a division. And then the two worst division winners, oh, they have to play in the first round. They get a home game. And then the two best non-division winners, you, know, you get have to go on the road, but you at least get to make the playoffs. And now all of a sudden you're adding a third wildcard team. You're adding a whole lot more to that number one seed. But I just think that it's just it's another case of oversaturating. It's like, oh, more football. We're going to love this. But the seventh seed, is, it's never like you're leaving out really good teams. It's like what Mark Cuban said, pigs get fat and hogs get slaughtered. And that for being just way too greedy, and I think the NFL is right now. And I, I also agree that the I, I even hate the playoff format even more than the 17-game schedule. I mean, I don't – I think in the NF, NBA and NHL, like, what, half the teams make it in the playoffs, which is, all right, whatever, but it's it's – in the NFL, like I love, I love what it is right now. Twelve teams make it, and two teams in each conference get a bye. So, like, let's so let's say they move to the seven teams each in the AFC and the NFC. That means one team gets a bye. So, like, let's say they did it this past season with how good the Ravens were, the Chiefs, Patriots, and so on would have been in what week thirteen, week fourteen, and so on, thinking like, all right, well, what do we have to play for? We can't even play for a bye right now because the Ravens are no doubt they're going to get the one seed and that creates less impactful games in the later part of the season, which I'm not a fan of as well. I already feel like the number one seed is overpowered in the postseason, And this is just juicing that up a little bit more. And like Corey said, I don't really feel like the seventh best team, at least in my, in recent memory, hasn't really been a team where we're like, darn, if only they were in the postseason, that would make it actually good competition. Usually those last few teams, I don't know. It, it just not, doesn't feel like it, it, there's been a super good reason for that as of late. Um, but that's just going off my memory. 
And last year, you would have had a Steelers team that lost three in a row led by Duck Hodges going to Arrowhead to face Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that's a game that a lot of people are like, oh, who knows? You know, <laughs> history have been rewritten. Like, <laughs> uh, Yeah, so, so yeah, it, 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 it's just frustrating when what they already have is so neatly cut out. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, more isn't necessarily better. No, and um, I mean, that's really what it seems like a lot of this is. But there are some cases that I do think um, more could be better as part of the CBA. One where maybe less is better is reducing a number of training camp practices from 28 to 16. To me, that seems like great for the veterans, but here's a trade-off where it's not as good for the young players who are trying to make a roster. That's less opportunities. Um, so to me, veterans can always sit out. They can take off days, whereas some of these you know fringe guys that are trying to make the back end of the roster are losing a ton of opportunities to show off. Sure, but what goes in hand-in-hand uh, in hand with that would be expanding rosters by two players from 53 to 55, which I definitely support. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, I agree with that. And then letting 48 players dress for games rather than 46. Another thing that I support. I went to see the 49ers play in Atlanta in 2016 yes in 2016 and we had by the end of the game we had no linebackers left we were starting backup safeties at linebacker because we were already stricken with injury and the linebackers that we had got hurt and we just couldn't dress enough guys really to keep a. I mean our defense sucked anyways but we didn't we couldn't dress enough guys uh to keep the right guys in the right positions on defense and i know that that team sucked anyways and it wasn't it's not like we're gonna really change things but it was frustrating to be like wow we literally have healthy guys who aren't wearing a jersey right now and well they could be in there well maybe they should have done what the nhl does and get random zamboni drivers on uh onto the field and let them play as well when you've got jimmy ward starting at middle linebacker it's the same thing as having a zamboni driver out there man like but also going back to the cba they're also um expanding the practice squad um from 10 to 12 players and it says eventually 14 uh which again is good more guys in the building football's a dangerous game and like what's frustrating is those guys who are at the bottom of the roster who bounce around practice squads that's not cheap once they cut you from the team Mm -hmm. they're not like we'll fly you out to cincinnati so you can join the Bengals. they're like hey don't let the door hit you on the way out because like go away (laughs) and that's it and it's not up to you to to make that next job so you know keeping a couple extra guys on there i think will save a few more fringe players from the the harsh uh you know cut season yeah, and as part of this roster expansion, you're adding 64 more legitimate jobs and then another 64 to eventually 128 practice squad jobs. So that's a lot of guys that, you know, you always talk about uh, when they, they cut down the rosters at the end of training camp. You're, you're talking half the league, like 700 players are just out of jobs. And, you know, some of them end up on practice squads, but now more of them end up on actual rosters and more of them end up on practice squads. So that's another thing. These 
middling players, you know, toward the bottom of the, the roster, it gives you more incentive to keep some of those aging veterans who it's like, all right, maybe they still have something left in them, as well as keeping some of these guys who, like, you see a little bit out of them in training camp, but not enough. And um, I do think that's absolutely another benefit that's part of this CBA. But it's one of those things where this is great for the, the lesser players, not as great for the veterans. So kind of a trade-off with the less training camp. Uh, but another thing in terms of uh, improving players, minimum salary for rookies is expected to increase by $100,000 in 2020. That's huge because there's so many guys. If you're not picked right at the top of the draft, you're barely getting by your first few years in the league, and you really have to put in a lot of work and prove yourself to be able to maintain yourself on the roster and ultimately get paid four years later. So um, being able to increase that salary floor I think is huge. Yeah, I agree. Um, these guys, again, they're if they're a lock on the team, it's it's a very lucrative job. But these fringe guys that get passed around, the Raheem Mostert's of the league, it's not. It, it's a pretty unforgiving situation, um, you know, especially if they're trying to follow their dream and no one else believes in them. So, um, I don't know. I like this very egalitarian. That one aspect of the CBA. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I guess like the, the final point is uh, it seems like they're they're finally going to relax the league's penalties on marijuana. What does that mean? What does that mean? Fans. Relax. I don't know. As in, it's no longer a four game suspension. It's a one game suspension. Like, are they going to stop testing for it entirely? Oh, Probably not. Josh Gordon's like, jumping for joy somewhere hearing that. I think that this is something that we're seeing across other sports. Like baseball is no longer testing for it. I think the NHL is talking about if they haven't already done it already. So it, it's it's something I'm sure a lot of players will be happy about. A lot of fans will be happy about. Um, and in addition to that, they're also taking um, discipline for off-field incidents out of the hands of Roger Goodell and into a more um, neutral arbitrator. So um, I guess from that perspective, you're also looking at domestic violence stuff. You know, you've this that's something where the league has been very much all over the place over the years. So I think that... Um, having a neutral perspective could definitely help um, get more of a standard and probably punish guys a lot more uh, than they currently are uh, for some of these like heinous things that they're doing off the field. So from that perspective, I think it's another big win for the CBA. Um, what's the final verdict though? Are you voting yes or no on this CBA? So, I'm, and also not I, implying that we actually get a vote. I'm yeah, saying we don't, if you obviously were a we don't player, have an actual vote. Yes. Um, because if obviously I was a player. The, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, if I was a player, if I was a veteran player, I'm voting no. If I'm a younger player who probably doesn't have a vote, I'm voting yes. But if I'm thinking of it from the younger player's perspective, and that's the thing is you're taking this away from a fan perspective. For the most part, you're there are some things like the the whole like off-field suspension stuff and relaxation on drug testing, whatever, uh, as well as expanding the rosters a little bit. Yeah, that does kind of appeal to the fans. But at the same time, it's almost being overshadowed by adding an extra game, adding an extra playoff team. Uh, but if you want to focus on the small, smaller players, the little guys, the ones who are just looking to achieve their dream, giving them more opportunities to do so, I think it's a really it's a positive. Um, I wish that they could do that without adding an extra game, an extra playoff team. But that's kind of the compromise that you get here. I guess I feel like you could. You know, owners are just too greedy. You know, treat your, mm -hmm. if you want to keep the product being the best on the market, take care of it. Don't try to squeeze it for every dime that it's worth. 
I mean, that's me. I'm not even a millionaire and these owners, I'm sorry, billionaire, <laughs> yeah. uh, like these owners. So like I can tell them anything, but um, I don't know. It just seems like the players have to give away so much to just barely get shafted less. Yeah, I selfishly look at the negative on the 17-game schedule and the seven-team playoff in each conference. Yeah, I mean, I think that's totally fair. Um, in the end, I know we're still going to watch that 17th game. We're still going to watch that extra <laughs> no, playoff I'm game. No, abs- I'm abstaining. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, but it's one of those things where it's more of that isn't necessarily what we are lo- lacking as fans. So I don't really know what the perspective is from here if this does get turned down. Um, are we looking at a strike long term? I, I'm willing to go through a strike. As a fan, I'm willing to miss out on some football yeah. if it means that uh, – we almost did 10 years ago. So I think it's cool we'll because see. then later years later we'll be like remember the lockout it says like yeah. a spice things well, up for a season. That that lockout also only ended because the players kind of gave in to the owners. So my hope is that they don't do that and we just end up in a another terrible CBA for the players. Um, but I I wouldn't be surprised if that's what it comes to if they decide to decline this deal. So you're willing to go through a whole year without football? Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Oh my gosh. I would totally take, and it's not a year where only I'm missing out on football. It's a year where we all collectively are like, doesn't this suck? There's no football on. I would, (laughs) dude, I would watch NBA. I would watch like literally all the other sports that are on during the fall because I could, I spent so much time on football and I wouldn't be missing anything. Everyone else would also be missing it. So yeah, I would take an entire season. Obviously it would suck, right? But it would be like a whole thing. It would be a year without football. It'd be an opportunity to look at other sports. Well, yes, but also it would just be so monumental that this staple of American culture doesn't happen. What happens to all? What happens to all the extra ad money that these like huge companies have to spend on the Super Bowl? Now they're like, "Uh, what? There's nothing. No, like, what are all the Americans gonna watch? So I, I think it would be actually pretty like fun in a kind of like uh depressing way (laughs) well maybe but i don't think i'd be that depressed again i would be depressed if i had to go a full season without watching football but if we have to go a whole season without watching football i think it could be like a fun way to shake things up because there's a nice bonding experience of all of us suffering yes and it we wouldn't be suffering that bad okay we already we still have college football that's true that's not going anywhere that's true and they'd probably make the xfl a fall sport instead Yes, and so they still have football. And you know, you hope that that one season doesn't let, like, you know, go on eternally, and we never have the NFL back. We get it back eventually, and then we would be like, "Wow, don't you love football even more now that it's back?" That we had to go a whole season without it. I'm down, and I want my I, all our NFL players who are listening right now. I want you to hear me uh, and vote no on the CBA. Let's get this lockout going, baby. I would be all for a guaranteed year where the Patriots don't win a Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so let, let's move on, but stick with football. And let's uh, kind of look ahead to the coming weeks in this offseason. NFL free agency is 
starting up on March 18th, uh, March 16th is when we'll start seeing some deals get negotiated as that is when the legal tampering period starts. And the big news or big storylines to watch for this offseason really surround the quarterbacks because there are so many potential or actual free agent quarterbacks on the market this offseason. And there's a good chance of a big carousel. Of course, the biggest name is Tom Brady, the six-time Super Bowl champion, multiple MVP, 43-year-old quarterback. And is he actually going to leave the Patriots? I've been leaning more towards yes the longer this has gone on. Um, Just because, I mean, let's say he stays. Like, what are the pros and cons of him staying? Like, okay, so the pros would be like, okay, his legacy is better I guess staying with one team for the for his entire career but if he stays he's also surrounded by no receivers outside of Edelman and a a coach that I don't know is not in favor of having Brady still and wanting to move on I I I think he I think he wants to move on as well they've already him and Giselle and the rest of the family have already packed up and and they're wanting to move on as well, or at least Giselle does. And I'm starting to lean. I know. I remember a month or two ago, you asked the question like, "What team? Where do you think he goes?" And I said, "I think he leaves. And I think it's the Chargers." But I didn't really feel feel total confidence in that. I think if I had to pick right now, I I'm leaning towards the Titans because they made it all the way to the AFC Championship game last season, and they lost to a much better team in the Kansas City Chiefs. And I know Ryan Tannehill was the most improved player from this past season and was a huge reason why they were able to get into the playoffs. But like I said before, I think he was the biggest weak link by the time they got to that game. They have a great – Ben's talked about it numerous times about how great Derrick Henry is in that rushing offense. Uh, They have a pretty good defense. They got a terrific coach in Mike Vrabel that all the players love and believe in. And I think their weak link is their quarterback. And I think if you were to ask me or mostly anyone, would you rather have Tom Brady, even at 43, would you have Tom Brady or Ryan Tannehill? I think most people would say Tom Brady. Well, who gives Tom Brady the best chance to win a Super Bowl this year? What team? I mean, like, I'm going to take any out team? The... Any team. Yeah, like any team that Tom Brady could realistically sign with. I think... Yeah, the the Titans. I would say. That. I like. I mean, like, I of, like course it can't, of course, of course, it can't be the Chiefs because they have Mahomes already. But yeah, I mean, if he wants to show up and be another, Mahomes is back. One other I also team, like but... the idea of the Buccaneers um, if they decide to move on from Jameis because that's Tom Brady going from no weapons to like straight up weapons. So one, I would say the Titans, but one other sneaky team that if they can make it work out with with trades, uh, Ben would probably hate this, but. I mean, the Niners, they were one, what, drive away from winning a Super Bowl. And I don't know, Garoppolo looked like the, I talked about this before, it looked like the weak link on uh, in their season. And if they want to move on, they could sign Tom Brady and trade Jimmy Garoppolo, which, yeah, that sounds crazy, but. Ah, okay. So I'm glad you brought this up because I was going to bring it up. Uh, oh, I saw okay. something okay. today on Twitter that had me absolutely fuming. Um, because it was get up on uh, ESPN, one of their um, shows, I, I guess, and they were breaking down 
the pros and cons of signing Tom Brady to the 49ers, okay? Um, we'll go f- for the pros first, and then I'll read the cons after, okay? So we'll start with the first pro. It says, top three play caller slash play designer in the NFL. Do you guys agree with that? Tom Brady is a top three play caller slash play designer? Sure, um, I guess. I, I don't know. Well, what, what does that mean? Like, he's the one who's like, Calling and designing plays at the line. According to Get Up. Okay. Now, let me continue. Okay. I don't know to what extent Josh McDaniels does. Um, seeing how horrible the Steelers quarterback play was and with Randy Feekner has me believing that Ben Rosberger is basically the OC slash quarterback. So I think he's in the top three, but I mean, maybe Brady's too. Okay. Fair enough. Um, now let's move on to number two reason. The number two pro uh, for why you should sign Tom Brady to the 49ers. The number two reason is... George Kittle would become Gronk 2.0. He already is. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with Corey. He kind of already is. I mean, okay. I don't want to say he's good as Gronk, but he's and, reaching that level. And the third reason is great defense means you only have to score 20 points per game. Okay? that Those are the three pros for Tom Brady. Okay? Now let's read the cons. Okay. Ready? Oh, there, there's only one con? What's the con? None. They said none. No cons. <laughs> it's, it's no cons. The it's only positive to sign Tom Brady and uh, like I don't know if this is true because it's on the Twitter comments. But in the Twitter comments, they said the way that they'd get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo is they'd cut him, and then the Patriots would sign him. Okay, but I don't want to get sidetracked on that. Yeah. I want to go back to the pros because these pros suck. When you have <laughs> Kyle Shanahan as your head coach, he's your offensive coordinator. He's the guy you want calling the plays. He's the guy that you want designing your plays. Okay. So it seems like a little bit of poor resource allocation to pick up someone who's considered top three at those things when you've already got one of the best calling the plays. George Kittle, like you guys said, George Kittle already is Gronk 2.0 with or without Tom Brady. Are you kidding me? Just because <laughs> yeah. you're nostalgic yeah. about having Gronk in the league doesn't mean, oh, uh, George Kittle should also change his number to 87 when Tom Brady gets there. We loved Gronk, you know? He should, he should start calling himself Gronk. Gronk 2.0, that'd be great. That's we love that way more than having just a new dominant tight end. Let's return to the good old days when there was one thing that was certain: it was Tom Brady was going to throw the ball to Gronk. Also, great defense means you only have to score twenty points per game. That's true, no matter who's on offense. Come on, these are horrible reasons. So, I don't want to come. I mean, they're literally implying that Tom Brady going there does not make them a great offense. So who cares who's quarterback? Just pay him thirty million dollars. He's forty three. Just get him another ring. Is that the argument there? There, like, listen, it, this, let's bring it back to the cons because apparently there are no cons. But the con is that yeah. you're wasting the talent of Jimmy Garoppolo. And I know he gets a lot of slander. I know he gets a lot of hate. And I know that he's officially the singular reason why the 49ers are not Super Bowl champions right now. Okay. I know that the public likes to believe these things. But as a 49ers fan who sat through all of his snaps, not just this season, not just the two and a half games last season, all of his snaps are the 49ers. And something I I noticed in all my notes going through all the episodes when we were looking through uh, the 50 episodes of He's Done It. I've always had faith in this guy. 
A lot of 49ers fans have had faith in this guy. And to, to even bring up the option of ditching him now is absolutely ludicrous. And I'm glad that this morning show is called Stand Up because these people need no, to sit get down. up. <laughs> Whatever. This needs to be sit down is what they need to be uh, doing because this is a horrible, horrible, horrible take. And I, if anything, I, I'm, I'm using too much energy on this argument because the truth is it's just a slow news day. And they're trying to create a narrative that San Francisco's rich Sean Brady should go, oh, they should unretire number 12 and let Tom Brady wear number 12. Who's even ever um, worn number 12? No. The 49ers are going to continue the path that they've been on for years, building something here, and not waste their time on Tom Brady. It's a non-story. Yeah, there honestly just aren't a whole lot of situations that make sense um, from both the team perspective and from Brady's perspective. Personally, I don't know that Tennessee gives him a better chance of winning than the Patriots currently. So one thing that we aren't even talking about, Derek Henry is a free agent. The Titans are spending a ton of money on Brady. There's no guarantee that they're going to have enough money to be able to afford to bring back Henry. Maybe he'll find a, a lucrative offer elsewhere. And Tennessee is like, well, you know, we were only like half committed to him anyway. So who knows what who their running back situation is. And then if you look at the Chargers and the Raiders, they make sense from a marketability perspective. But I really don't think that Tom Brady is a big enough upgrade over what Phillip Rivers was this year. That all of a sudden they're going from 5-11 and 11 to competing with the Chiefs in the AFC West as a true legitimate threat to win that conference. The Raiders, uh, they're another situation where to be in is Vegas. Derek Carr really all that bad? Yeah, I mean, Vegas, it's another great selling point. You want to get people to show up? You you want to get people to show up to L.A. because the Chargers can't do that? Makes sense. If you don't want to become like the Chargers and have your whole stadium be just a bunch of fans who are looking to win some money in Vegas and watch their team play, then, yeah, it makes sense. Bring Brady to the Raiders. Tennessee, I think, is the only situation where you can maybe have that argument. But even then, like, I, I don't know. I'm not totally ready to give up on Ryan Tannehill, personally. I think the idea of signing into a franchise tag, just knowing how much of a difference he was during the regular season, I know his playoff run wasn't that great. They didn't need him. Derrick Henry ran wild. He's not going to be able to run for 200 yards every single game. So, to me, I, I like the idea of giving Ryan Tannehill a full offseason and a chance to prove himself. Um, and Brady's 43 years old. He didn't look all that great for most of the season. He had his moments and we can talk about weapons. He had Julian Edelman. He had James White. You know, is Nikhil Harry really this awful bust? He's a terrible first round pick already. Yeah, he, he did not. I mean, he was not very good in his rookie year. It was his rookie year. Like, that's why I don't know, want to crap like on to him too much Belichick, because it was his yeah. rookie year. I know they didn't have a tight end, but if the Patriots bring in like Hunter Henry or, um, Austin Hooper, is that not enough of the upgrade? And yeah, maybe they'll lose it's a, a few bigger upgrade. Defense. Austin Hooper and Hunter Henry would be a bigger upgrade than Matt Lacoste or Ryan Matt Izzo Lacoste or whoever, Izzo. whatever yeah. crappy tight end that they had this past year. Now, on the flip side, they also played one of the easiest schedules in the league last year. And now they'll so have one of the schedule hardest schedules way harder. this upcoming yeah. season. So from that perspective, you know, maybe the same team you trot them out, they only go nine and seven. They don't go 12 and four. Uh, but I, I it's just, I don't know. It is one of those things where I don't necessarily think he's going to come back just given the way everything is playing. I, find, but I don't I find know it, that he's going to go somewhere and make him a Super Bowl. I'm, I'm finding it harder and harder to believe that he's 
coming back because if he did come back, like, what's the point if you're going to have, I don't want to say the exact same team as this past season, but near it. I mean, yeah, the defense is great, but you might lose Van Noy or whomever in the offseason. And, and yeah, the offense, yeah, outside of Edelman and James White at times is really not that good. So I don't, yeah, I, it's hard to believe that he comes back, but at the same time, like we just talked about, like where else can he go? Because, yeah, the charge, you said it perfectly that the Chargers and Raiders, okay, like they make sense from, you know, bringing in fans and, um, yeah, a marketability standpoint, but I mean, how much, how much better at age 43 is he than how much better is he compared to Rivers and Carr? I mean, both those guys aren't the greatest, but like they're probably no, fringe Rivers playoff teams. Down year. Not when, yeah, they're not Super Bowl caliber, t- caliber teams, I don't think. No, no. So I don't know what his priorities are right now, but to think that he's gonna leave at this point and go win a Super Bowl elsewhere, you know without Bill Belichick I just I just don't see it happening that it was the only the reason why I picked the Titans was just because everything is great around them and I'll admit I don't have as much faith in Tannehill as you do and it was the best situation I could come up with like because there aren't too many around with with a team needing a quarterback what about the Dallas Cowboys I was honestly gonna bring them up, no joke. I was thinking the Cowboys because because D- Dak still hasn't been an... franchised or signed or anything. Yeah, and what do you guys think Dallas should do with Dak? I think that's the first question. Ah, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're two. You know compl- just, they're two different quarterbacks. I don't know. Like they they are, but here let's just lay out some facts about Dak Prescott. So fact number one, he was one of, if not the best contract value in the NFL for the last four years. He made like $4.7 million over the last four years. He made $2 million this year. That's the most. As a rookie, he was making like $900,000 as a fourth-round pick, and he led him to, what, 13-3, and 14-2 and two record? I mean, you could say... He led him to the playoffs could, in 2018. You could say that he made Tony Romo $17 million. Uh, yeah, absolutely, who- <laughs> because his performance got... Tony moved into the booth, and then he got a, got a chance to shine. Yeah. Um, so, Dak Prescott, even the two years where they missed the playoffs, they still went 9-7. and seven. They still went 8-8. Eight and eight. This year, Dak was a very, very good quarterback. He was a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. He was putting up strong numbers. A lot of that, though, happened after Amari Cooper came in. And Amari Cooper, like Dak Prescott, is a free agent, someone who the Cowboys could very easily lose. And then, at the same time, the Cowboys went eight and eight this year they missed the playoffs they beat up on teams like the Redskins and the Giants and the Dolphins but they lost all the playoff teams they faced yeah it's tough you know they played the Jets that's like a tough team to ever to get a win against so you can't blame them there (laughs) yeah I mean they had like some really bad losses along the way as well and if you're looking at this team and say Dak Prescott made two million dollars and they could only go eight and eight it's not going to be easier to become a playoff team, a Super Bowl contender, if he's making $32 million. So the Cowboys are in a tough spot right now. And I think that's something where Dak Prescott has absolutely earned that kind of money. I think he is very much worth $30 million to be a quarterback. But does he give the Cowboys a great chance to win a Super Bowl, knowing that guys like Matthew Stafford making $30 million? How have the Lions been the last five years or however since Stafford's on that deal Matt Ryan and the Falcons how have they been since he started making 30 million are the Cowboys going to be that much better 
than that. So I kind of understand the idea of maybe Dallas looking to move on. Now, I don't think Tom Brady is necessarily the replacement. If Dallas, I don't think they should franchise Dak. They should, if they do, and maybe look to trade him and make, let someone else pay him while getting some value, they should either come into a long-term deal or maybe find another three, four, $5 million quarterback in the draft. Make a bold move. Go get a guy like Tua Tagovailoa or Justin Herbert and you know, hope that that's it. Like Dak Prescott was a fourth-round pick. These guys probably have a higher ceiling than that. So to me, that's if I'm Dallas, I'm either sticking with Dak long-term or I'm looking to go young and hope that uh, I can keep some of my free agents, keep spending a lot of these big money. Because you got Cooper, you got Byron Jones is another big free agent they're probably not going to be able to bring back. And just see, yeah, get a guy and hope that he's just as good as Dak and maybe even now, better. Now, hold on. Mm-hmm. Did the Cowboys really have a chance at drafting Tua? I thought he was going to go earlier than that. They would have to trade, trade up. some assets. Okay. Yes, they would have to trade assets. Ooh. They could not get him with like the 17th pick. Or Okay. Do they even have a first round pick or do the Raiders have it for Amari Cooper? No, that was last that was last season. Okay. Yeah, so whatever like mid middle-ish pick they have. Well, I mean, it's um, they would not It's like you said, Dak Prescott was the best value contract in the whole league. If that was just as easy as just deciding to do that, every team would do that, right? Yeah. Oh, I know. So there's major risk in letting a guy like Dak Prescott walk out the door. At the same time, like I, I you there's been this whole argument as to like what his real value is, but there are plenty of teams that can't seem to find a starter at quarterback and they're just irrelevant for years on end. I'm only advocating Dallas moving on from him if you are if they are willing and able to put themselves in a position to replace his value with just as good okay. value. I'm not saying they should just let him go and hope for the best with Cooper Rush or something like that. Because <laughs> you look at the Cowboys, it took a long time for them to go from Troy Aikman to Tony Romo. And the only reason they got Tony Romo was because they signed him as an undrafted free agent. It wasn't like they nailed a draft pick with him. Dak Prescott, they wanted... Paxton Lynch or Jerry Jones wanted Paxton Lynch and Connor Cook. Dak Prescott was a third choice. And you know, how would things have turned out if they had Paxton Lynch or Connor Cook? Or instead? Johnny Manziel. <laughs> yeah, Johnny Manziel. Like you'd be talked out of drafting Johnny Manziel when Tony Romo was you know, just taking them to the playoffs in 2014. So I agree. There's a lot of risks in moving on from Dak Prescott. And I don't think moving on from Dak Prescott for a guy like Tom Brady or Phillip Rivers, even like a Ryan Tannehill, Jameis Winston, someone you're just taking a flyer on is the right move. But if the plan is to move on from Dak Prescott and just go all in on one of these quarterbacks in a very deep quarterback league or draft class, they're, then I like the idea. They're drafting at 17th, so they could take Justin Herbert. Because I assume, highly assume Joe Burrow and Tua Tagovailoa will be gone by then. Yeah, so I I think that in terms of the draft stuff, maybe that will will take a little while to formulize. Um, but I mean, if if in terms of the Cowboys doing that, they would have to make that move before free agency, before Dak Prescott gets in that position, or if they franchise tag him and then let him go. Um, but I I think it would be really interesting to see Jerry Jones pull off a move like that because I think that those three guys they have a lot of potential in this league. So. Um, if if Dallas's best position is to continue having a really cheap quarterback, and you know maybe they won't be quite as cheap as Dak because they'll be first round picks, but still cheap enough that they can retain some of the talent and you know have a guy who doesn't need to have this loaded offense with like a top tier wide receiver, a best offensive line in the league to win. 
Uh, because when you start paying your quarterback a ton of money, you have to make sacrifices across the rest of the team. You could also say they probably shouldn't have signed Zeke to all that money as well. I mean, I know oh, it's not yeah. as close to as what Dak is or should get uh, this upcoming season, but I mean, Tony Pollard was is a half decent running back. Like maybe they could have used him behind a great offensive line. Like how much better is is Zeke compared to him if if the offense if they have one of the best offensive lines in in the game. I don't know, just just one mm-hmm. idea that they could have done. So, in terms of, you know, other teams and their quarterback situation, the Bucks, you talked about, oh, you know, Ben saying, let's get get Brady all those weapons. Are you ready to give up on Jameis? I'm uh not necessarily sure if Jameis is still the same person because apparently this is the first time in his life that he can see. So, Maybe you give him another chance now that he can tell the difference between the players on his team and the players on the opposing team. Because maybe we're not talking about him leading the league in picks if he can tell the difference. Yeah, so he had LASIK eye surgery. And am I crazy to think that Jameis having better vision makes him a better quarterback? Like, we've seen so many photos and videos of him squinting on the field as he's like watching trying to figure out, Oh, how did that interception just happen? Take that away. See what he has for the franchise. I don't know. I can't tell. Is that like big brain thinking or I'm like, Oh, Jimmy's has his LASIK. And it's the meme with the, just the hole in place in my brain. Is that how, how we sound talking about this? Um, I absolutely want to see what Jameis can do with better eyesight. And if he still can't, then yeah, Bruce Arians, he only has so much time left in this league. Like, look at your new quarterback, but I, I like the idea of seeing what Jameis can do with better vision. <laughs> How funny would that be if he just ends up being worse after it? Is it possible to do worse than his 30 interception? I mean, I guess he doesn't throw 30 touchdown passes, but... If he uh, turns those interceptions into a... touchdowns, you know, 63 touchdowns sounds pretty good to me. So, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then I think the the last one, I mean, Tennessee, of course, is probably either Brady or Tannehill. We've talked about that. The last situation that I'm really intrigued by is the Bears. So Mitchell Trubisky, they're supposedly committed to him, but they're also supposedly looking to bring in a veteran quarterback. Is there a guy that you guys think makes a ton of sense as someone who could challenge Trubisky or potentially even take over in a Ryan Tannehill-esque fashion in Tennessee this year for Marcus Mariota? I, I got, I mean, because I, I, mean, I have a name. The Bengals are going to take Burroughs, so they'll probably trade Dalton, right? You think Andy Dalton's the answer in Chicago? He's better than Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> I disagree with that. I, I, I'll admit, I'm, I'm, I don't fully believe that. I just, can't, I just if, don't want to watch. Who do you Trubisky think, Corey? Anymore. Who do you think could do a better job? How about a guy who has a lot of similarities to Mitchell Trubisky in both play style as well as being a number two overall pick who hasn't quite turned out? The aforementioned Marcus Mariota. Oh. It made a lot more sense when um, Mark Helfrick was their OC, the former Oregon coach. I can never remember if it's Helfrick or Herzlick. I think Mark Herzlick was uh, the, the BC, BC linebacker. Yeah. yeah, so Mark Helfrick. Yeah, yeah, Mark Helfrick. He was fired as the OC. I think it made way more sense of reunion uh, when he was still there. But Mariota and Trubisky are very similar quarterbacks, and I think maybe Trubisky just doesn't have it, and 
Mariota can do much better in that Matt Nagy system. I think that's something that if I'm if I'm the Bears, that's a situation I look to do. And that's one of those, it's a low risk. You're not spending a ton of money to bring in Mariota. And if Ooh. he doesn't work out and it's just there's a lot more problems there, then you know, hey, we have a lot of issues here. And either it's whatever you're doing on that offense or you just need a more competent guy that you can look for in the draft. You look excited well, because about may, could Mariota be the next Ryan Tannehill? And yeah, <laughs> just continuing the line of succession. And then next year, Trubisky can go somewhere else to become most improved, and then just on and on, just passing around the uh, most improved award. One of the uh, one of my favorite Onion articles uh, that you know sometimes Onion articles come true is the one that's titled like in quotes. I'm just here to win football games, says 22-year-old draft pick who will get everyone fired. And it's a picture of Mitchell Trubisky. <laughs> and this was after he got drafted. Like, this was back in 2017. Wow. They, they, they nailed, nailed it. it. And uh, people always bring that back up because the Bears, I mean, I know we're talking about alternatives here, but the reality is that it seems like they're going to stick with him. And, um, you know, if they lose their jobs, the Onion will officially have called it. It'll uh it'll be interesting to see what Chicago actually does because there's definitely some people who believe oh the the best course of action for them is to just totally move on from Trubisky and bring in a guy like Philip Rivers or Tom Brady, but I I'm not ready to give up on Trubisky and I think that Mariota seems like a pretty solid backup plan if Trubisky continues to prove that he just doesn't have those it. are the two of the worst quarterbacks in the league but. It is a low risk situation, and who knows if if they do bring in Mariota, Mariota or whomever, uh, that could give more urgency for Trubisky to to play better and to earn to earn the job. And oh, absolutely, he needs that. Chase Daniel's never going to take his job. He needs someone who actually could, and Marcus Mariota absolutely could take it over. And there's always a potential he's your franchise quarterback when you're that young. So. All right, let's wrap up the NFL talk and let's uh, get into the 50th episode celebration stuff. So this is huge for us. And I know, Ben, you, you've been around from the beginning. Brian hasn't. Um, so I, I do kind of want to talk about how this podcast really came to be, some of the, the timeline, the, the chronology of He's Done It, formerly the Ben and Corey podcast. So, Ben, you had your podcast uh, long before this ever became a thing. And I think that that was a, a big inspiration for me wanting to start my own podcast. But a lot of that totally goes back to my freshman year of high school. And Brian and I were actually in this class together. It was freshman seminar with Mr. Green. And that was when I was first introduced to podcasting. And from that, I actually started my own New England Sports Podcasting Network with uh, our friends Kenny and then a different Brian. And it was a lot of me just kind of talking about sports and them somewhat having an idea of what I was talking about. Uh, but it was, it was fun to kind of get that going. And eventually it just died down. It became a lot of work. We had a lot of technological problems and it never really became much of anything. But I I wanted to get back into it, do something with my, my post-grad life outside of just working and, you know, meaningless stuff all the time. So I'm, I'm very appreciative of you guys helping make this happen. Uh, ben, of course, in the beginning, and then Brian uh, bringing you along originally as a, a Ben and Corey podcast guest and then eventually a third co-host. So 
Um, yeah, just to give a little background on my, like, I guess, origin story for podcasting. I remember when I was in middle school, I just absolutely was obsessed with Halo 3. And I kept up with the developers from the game. There was actually within the studio, they would release the Bungie podcast where they would have just various people who worked in there, you know, developers and others. Um, I, I don't know if they were all developers. I can't really remember, but they were like low key Bungie celebrities and they would come on to the podcast and they would talk about how things are going through the development. And I just loved it. I mean, I would listen to episodes five times, you know, like my mom's like, go clean the kitchen. And I'd be like, dang it. But then I would put my headphones on and listen to the Bungie podcast. It wouldn't be so bad. And, uh, you know, I was in a content creation as a kid, uh, never really tried podcasting that much. My a few of my friends and I actually did a similar setup to this where we all went on Skype and recorded a, like a few podcasts together. They're terrible. Uh, definitely a bunch of morons talking at the same time. And, uh, Eventually, I started doing a sports-related podcast called the Dustin Squad podcast, which all the episodes are still on SoundCloud, actually on the same RSS feed um, as Affable Chat, my current podcast. But it was my weekly podcast for my fantasy football league. So it was me reporting on the comings and goings, the ins and outs, the current events of just the things that me and 11 people were doing together. It was a lot of work for not that big of an audience. I even had two different theme songs that I got my good friend Nick Heredia to help me write. They're epic. I'm very proud of those theme songs. And um, I did that for two seasons. I loved it. I had so much fun. Almost every single week, I would sit down to record a Dustin Squad podcast, and I had to write a script and do research and all this stuff. And I love, I loved the process, but I hated that at max I was going to get 11 listens. And most of the times I didn't even get that because my stupid league members were, didn't listen to podcasts. So after the second season of Dustin squad, I feel really good about how that season finished, like production wise. And I hung it up and decided to start a podcast for general audiences, which is called affable chat. Uh, and not too long after that, he's done it, came along. And I, I, I want to express some gratitude to you, Corey, because I do feel very lucky to be able to be on a podcast that I don't have to edit because sitting down <laughs> to record yeah. it is one part of it, but going back through and editing it and making sure that you don't destroy your listeners ears is vital. And I'm, it's really nice to not have to do that for these episodes. It is a long process. Um, it it's gotten better since uh, we upgraded our equipment and we stopped having things like fans and stuff in the background. We started having microphones that actually sound good and don't need to totally like distort our voice to make us sound pleasing. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely led to a lot of uh, long nights trying to edit these. And I will say, when I originally came up with the idea. I thought that you were going to be able to edit it for me. Nice <laughs> try. I was very disappointed to find out that I had to do it all on my own, but uh, it's definitely helped my, my musical production skills. So, Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I have all the proper equipment and turned off fans and no oh, chewing. Yes, <laughs> okay. Left. That is another important part of like the podcast history is going back and listening to our first few episodes, which I don't remember being as poorly produced as they ended up being because mm-hmm. and i'm bad about this is also early affable chat mistake is while Corey's talking you can hear 
<laughs> just me br- nose breathing directly into the mic. It's so it's terrible. Um, and yeah, obviously, like you said, turning off fans, like getting better equipment. We've obviously taken strides, and, and it really makes me feel proud of the product we're producing today because it's just so much better from a production standpoint. And we also did the uh, the bracket of the best plays of the decade, which got more people to tune in, or more people to tune in, but also more people just active to engage on the yeah. Twitter sphere. Yeah, the the social media presence was definitely huge from that. Uh, I think I actually had a lot more engagement when I've tweeted things on my personal account in the past, the like original old Ben and Corey podcast days, um, than on the, the He's Done It account. But we've definitely like really uh got a lot of interactions with people from that um bracket so that that was definitely one of the best moments um and i i think just in terms of some of the other stuff that has been great a lot of it really does tie in the social media aspect and if i'm not so the first video that we ever did was actually it was the Ben and Corey podcast but it was when Brian came on and Brian your thing was joining when we talked about baseball uh, the first ever podcast that you joined was actually the third episode, and it was in late March 2018, and we were doing our MLB season special. I was like, Ben doesn't know baseball. I'm going to get Brian, my friend from home, to join us. as your first time ever interacting with each other. And like from there, you kind of joined every time you want to talk about baseball. So then another one was, okay, for that playoff season, you came on in October, and that was when Ben was introduced to Dallas Keuchel, <laughs> and <laughs> that 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 you guys it was My just like a, a minute and a half. Yeah, you guys just talking about like, oh, look Dude's at this player, giant his beard. beard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Charlie Blackman, and then uh, Brent Burns. Like our son, we're going into hockey. Uh, it was just, uh, I, I think that was a funny moment. I was like, you know what, I can uh, use this as a selling point. And I decided to create a video. It was, it was just a bunch of random photos of Dallas Keuchel, Charlie Blackman, and Brent Burns together. Um, eventually, those videos started to pick up and be a little bit more than that. And I think one of the biggest videos we made, and actually probably the most successful because of how many listens it garnished, was your Ben's uh, Clemson rant after they won the uh, national yes. championship. Even though, obviously, that's a low point for my as a fan, that was one of the high points of my ranting on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, that that was like one of the the more more fun moments we had, at least you know, for a a negative moment from our perspective. No, and that's that's one of the things I love about this podcast is I'm able to express myself. I genuinely felt it felt therapeutic to talk about the 49ers losing the Super Bowl on this podcast. Like I felt like after I did that, I was able to kind of get past it to a certain extent. And the same thing with ranting about Clemson. I was able to turn genuinely one of the worst sports things that's happened to me. Like it doesn't get any worse than Clemson winning this, the natty um, into something that did really well uh, in the, you know, for this podcast. My, my, my personal favorite out of the, those videos is the, the one where I talk about how Justin Rose was, the farmer's insurance uh, yes. tournament winner. And then Ben goes, he won the farmer's insurance cup. Oh, <laughs> come on. That's not a real this name of a like tournament. Come on. Rant against brands. Yeah. 
I mean, honestly, Ben being anti-brand is just so on brand for him. <laughs> and then that's his way of contributing to a golf talk, talking about the Masters, is just making fun of things that go beyond just golf, just a random tournament. So that's one thing where it's like Ben does a great job of inserting himself into conversations about sports he doesn't know but like adding some like comedic relief to them because brian and i talking about baseball or golf like back and forth is only so entertaining when uh you know there's sports that we only care so much about ourselves it's not as fun as talking about football and basketball so um i do think that that was a, a a great one um and uh, the most recent video we did actually was one of my favorite things was uh, when we did our top five um, best personal sports accomplishments. Oh, yeah. And I made it an actual yeah video of that with a that was a good one. <laughs> very. Yeah. Ben, you kind of had the, the unflattering of the, the three with uh, you being compared to Jackie um, Moon, <laughs> Jackie Moon. semi. I mean, honestly, to <laughs> me, that's high praise compared to how I am an actual basketball. But um, that was that was <laughs> honestly one of my favorite top fives um, was like our like that one was uh, very enlightening for me to hear about you guys sports background, yeah. especially because this is absolutely a sports podcast. Um, also, Another top five that I was looking through that I liked was uh, top five greatest resurrections (laughs) (laughs) that we did on Easter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. We have, so we've had some really silly ideas just to be like, oh, what's a topic? What's something eventful? Like, what's a holiday? Or like, oh, let's look up national day of calendar. Uh, And I think that that kind of took away from us doing um, top fives at the beginning of the year. But I actually looked back and I decided to do my own top five, top five countdown. And I realized we've had a lot of hilarious topics. (laughs) Give us your top five, top fives, Corey. This is amazing. Here's my top five, top five. So number five, uh, this is actually the first one that all three of us did. And that was Celebrities Named Brian. Yes. And I did like that one. The only reason why this is so low is because I hated my personal list. But you guys were so good with it. Like Brian, uh, uh, him coming out with that like (laughs) Brian Wilson tweet. (laughs) at John McComplain, yeah, Center like, like making fun of nope. him for celebrating in the uh, yeah, in the the Diamondbacks pool. Uh, I think that that was a, a really fun. I put one. Brian. Really I put I put uh, Brian Scalabrini as my number one Brian. Yeah, that that was that was a good good countdown. Um, my number four was uh, so actually that was from March 27, twenty eighteen. If you want to go back and listen to it, number four from November fourteenth, twenty eighteen. This is actually the last episode that Brian was on when it's still the Ben and Corey podcast before he became full time on He's Done It, and that was our top five Thanksgiving dishes. And this was the most contentious top five that should have never been contentious. It was all because it was like I was surprised that Brian decided to sign up for the full time after that because I was just roasting him like when he's like my yeah, number five. Yeah, Rolls. Brownies. <laughs> brownies. No, brownies. I don't, I don't care about stuffing or uh, turkey, the most popular one. No, I hate uh, I hate most Thanksgiving food. Well, yeah, I, I, if I remember so, correctly. Every Thanksgiving, I get like, I double the mac and cheese and mashed potatoes because like, I just don't want anything else. And like those and the the King Hawaiian rolls. Yeah, yeah I remember that's both I of want. us had rolls as our number one thing. Yeah, you both had it as number one. Yeah. I think I was the only one who actually had turkey in my top five. <laughs> Overrated. Oh boy. So, number three. We should have um, done top five one. least favorite. For or at least for me, it would have been good. 
what? my list oh, would have been good. Least favorite Thanksgiving top, top five least favorite Thanksgiving foods. <laughs> All right, well, okay. Yeah, number well, three, I, top five. Whoa. Number three. This is a, a recent one. Actually, a year later, November 14, twenty nineteen. Top three SpongeBob SquarePants episodes. That was just so much that's fun. A good just one. reminiscing on SpongeBob, um, and, and that's like the only time we've actually gone through and given honorable mentions. And Ben, I think you had like twenty honorable mention yep. episodes. Uh, yeah, that that was a fun one to to reminisce on uh, one of our our favorite all time cartoons. Number two, greatest mistakes ever made from October third, twenty eighteen. And this one, I I thought it was very enjoyable. But the reason why this is so great is because I don't think I've ever had a top five get as many reactions as that one. Because so I was I like mentioned the. Chris McAuliffe O-ring disaster. I had my uncle send me like this long text kind of detailing like some things. Oh, like this, this is a great, a great choice, but you kind of mess up this and this. Here's like some more information. I was like, wow, this is awesome. And like my mom was like telling me, oh, I was like crying, like listening to that one. He's like, I remember it. She was from New Hampshire. So it was like kind of hit close to home. What was the date one more time? But this was October 3rd, 2018. And the, the best thing that came out of this was... People being like, are you kidding me? The greatest mistakes ever made. And you guys said someone handing a ball off in a Super Bowl <laughs> is the greatest mistake ever. Because you it both is. Put the That was terrible. <laughs> the worst mistake ever made in the history of the world was Marshawn Lynch not getting the ball at the goal line. <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember on that list, I put a wildfire gender reveal where someone... Yes. It was yeah, a gender reveal. Like if it's a boy or girl, then all of a sudden started off a, a wildfire. Because it happened like the day before we did that that episode. So that's why I put it on the list. Oh, yeah. yeah. My number one was um, Gavillo Princip's driver taking a wrong turn that led him to being <laughs> shot by a terrorist and starting World War One. But you guys had it on the same level <laughs> the Super Bowl. Oh, dude, come on. I have some other good ones on my top five, like uh, Steve Harvey pranking Miss Universe. That was a pretty big mistake. Yeah. That should have been higher on the list. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then my number one, we talked about it, the best personal sports accomplishments yes. of the 2010s. That was just so much fun reminiscing on our sports career like that. Uh, we rarely do top fives that are sports teams, but that was one that was very deserving of it. Um, beyond that, I did, I did write down a ton of honorable mentions, but like just, just some highlights of ones that if you want to... Uh, go back and listen to the one that started it all, our top five chocolate fillings. Uh, that was the day after <laughs> Valentine's Day in 2018. Big debate, peanut butter wrist is caramel. <laughs> um, top five TV moms and TV dads. Those were right after Mother's Day and Father's Day, like, or like right before. Um, those were fun. Ultimate dream jobs. That was fun. You know, Ben talking about how he wants to be like a, a parking lot worker. What was it? No, like no, no, a, no. no. It was guy- a parking lot worker. It was, just, it was definitely a parking lot owner. Because parking lot owner, yeah. You don't have to do anything. You hire a worker <laughs> to collect the money of the people who park there. Yeah, that 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 was that was a fun one. Just <laughs> <laughs> reminiscing on the things that we would do other than what we actually do. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it was just a ridiculous. Like that's a good uh, point. Yeah, wow. absolutely. Um, <laughs> Halloween costumes, October twenty third, twenty eighteen. Really, the only reason why I'm plugging this one, uh, as as fun as it was to talk about some of our past costumes, this is actually the the most listened to episode we have. So you should definitely, if you haven't played this one, go back, get it a ton of plays. I don't know what'll happen if it does, but if that one gets boosted, maybe some of our other ones will too. Um, and 
fittingly, the next one, maybe the most ridiculous, like most specific theme we ever did was January 26, 2019, meals we'd like to make with Guy Fieri. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. I struggled with that one. Yeah. In honor of his 51st birthday. Uh, That was a fun one. Um, Famous people from Michigan, March 3rd. That was uh, when Ben went to Michigan for work. The first ever top five graphic on Twitter um, that kind of started a another uh, wave of social media engagement that, and ultimately increased listens, yeah. That episode had one of my favorite memories was when we all roasted Jason Witten for being bad at commentating. Oh, yeah, yeah, because that was when he, he like, goodbye old friend yes. to return to the NFL, the anti-retirement. Yes, and he yep. took a rabbit rabbit out of his head or yes what was it yeah, yeah that was against the niners it's like it just it's aaron yeah. Rodgers, you know he once again he pulled a rabbit out of his head <laughs> great job jason uh, Wynn. and the same game he said the niners can't keep kicking themselves in the foot <laughs> uh, uh, so uh next one top five cereals on april 4th this is one where you guys, particularly Brian, had just atrocious lists. Brian's like, I love Special K and Wheaties and Plain Cheerios is your number one. Like, there was a firestorm on social media. Yeah. Random people were like, Healthy. Plain Cheerios? What are you guys, three years old? <laughs> Most important meal of the day. I mean, at least Ben had, like, My Reese's biggest compl- Puffs. And, well, yeah. No, Ben had, like, Reese's up. Puffs and, like, Rice Krispies and, like, other, like, good cereals. Yours was, like... I love Wheaties and unfrosted mini weeds. <laughs> like all these like boring Crispix was in your top five. What even is Crispix? <laughs> uh. Yeah, it was like the, the definitive L for Brian's top five on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I, I don't have many cereals that I like because. I'm know. surprised I, you didn't I have Raisin Bran on the list. Like, well, I just hate, I just hate that special K. Like they never have any dudes on their commercials like i'm the only am i the only guy on earth that likes special k uh yeah probably um is that war heroes on may 25th i think that was a fun one um i I love like when we're able to bring in like history and actually learn things and that was one where i felt like i learned about a lot of people in history but i also got to like give like plugs to i can't even remember their names but like the people who killed Hitler and in Inglorious Bastards? Um, just kind of like, oh, it, if this was real life, they would absolutely be on here. But everyone always loves to talk about Aldo Rain. And then Brian is like, I hate Quentin Tarantino. And Ben's favorite director is Quentin Tarantino. So, not, a lot, lots of uh, controversy between you guys. Um, and then our whole like NFL like top five thing, like when we did our divisional previews, NFL jerseys, backup quarterbacks, that one got controversial because you guys put like Kirk Cousins in there, but you didn't put Tom Brady. Um, things we changed about the NFL, the owners should probably look into that uh, when they're they're trying to ratify the league. Maybe some things they can include the new CBA, and then football players and movies and TV shows. And I love that one because we changed it at the last minute to not just be fictional football players, but somehow Ben didn't get the memo. So he treated it like we only could put fictional players. Meanwhile, Brian and I are putting like Rudy and Vince Papali in it. And it's like, how are these <laughs> fictional players? So, um, favorite video games. I mean, that's just a, a fun one. If you're a gamer, definitely uh, go back and listen to that one. That was September 11th. And then another ridiculous topic, Brian and I did our top five Taco Bell menu items on October 2nd. 
Uh, that was in honor of National Taco Day. And I do have a question for you guys. Did you ever get uh, like a free Taco Bell box? I didn't see that until the day after. Seriously, so you actually got it, but it was too late? Yeah, like I, I didn't. I saw my email. I'm like, oh, well, this sucks because I can only use it that one day. Wait, wait, wait. Did you get it for? Dude, you sent me what? I literally paid five dollars for you guys to get free tacos on National Taco Day. Yeah, and I didn't. I, I remember seeing my email the next day. I'm like, it was an email. Like I didn't. I definitely didn't see any email. (laughs) Yeah, I saw saw the email. I remember. I like didn't want you guys to know because I wanted to be a total surprise. But yeah, it was it was great and bad at the same time it's like wow that was nice of him to do that but this sucks because like, i can only use yeah. it yesterday that's a that's a kind of a waste of money but okay i can um, owe you five dollars yeah. for no no you're good you don't owe me anything i i feel right. bad i uh i would have loved for you guys to get taco bell ben's going through his email box inbox now i'm not seeing um, any taco bell in there man yeah, I don't know. Maybe I put the wrong email for you. I think I put both of your um, Gmails in there. So You definitely have that. I don't know. I missed it. Now I'm disappointed, yeah. man. Yeah, I know. You guys would have had free tacos. Um, and then the, the last two, some of the more recent ones, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame members. Always fun talking about some rock and roll legends. And then Brian and I decided to do celebrities and fictional characters named Ben on November 6th. I think the (laughs) celebrities and fictional characters named Brian was a little better, but if you guys want to hear the best Bens, uh, that's also an option. So a lot of good top fives, plenty others out there. We're going to keep doing them. They're so hilarious when they're side by side. Like it's, (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) They're so random. Yep. So, um, before we get into that, um, you know, some of our best and worst takes on the show, so I think that we've, as Brian said, we've had a lot of terrible ones. Um, I think yeah, I've had can, a lot of terrible ones. I, uh, well, so I said the Chiefs would win the Super Bowl, but then I also said they'd beat the Bears in the Super Bowl. So that's a combo of best and worst takes. And you were the first person that I knew who called the 49ers to the Super Bowl. That was a good take. definitely. Because yes. you called yep. it way before even the most optimistic 49ers fan was saying it. Well, so I didn't necessarily call them to the Super Bowl, but I said that the 49ers should be Super Bowl or bust in terms of their mindset before others did. But yeah, we can say I said the 49ers would make it to the Super Bowl. That works. I did say Chiefs 49ers coming into the playoffs. Um, so I, I there was one random one I kind of thought of, but I remember back in the 2018 playoffs, Ben was just super anti-Celtics the whole time. It's like, oh, they're going to lose to the Bucks in the first round. Wait, There's mean, no Kyrie Irving. You mean Cuz Cruz? Oh, that was their... Uh, yeah, Cuz what see us rise. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I saw that recently. I was like, some, Ben has like some funny name for it. Yeah, Cuz Cruz. Um, but yeah, Ben was always like, oh, Kyrie Irving, not on the Celtics. How can they ever win? Um, and then... You know, after they almost made it to the NBA Finals, he comes back. We're all like, oh, Celtics absolutely are going to win the NBA Finals this year, at least make it and lose to the Warriors. And, yeah, no, Kyrie Irving was not a positive for that <laughs> Celtics team. So that, that, was a, not. that was a big loss. Uh, more recent NBA one. Brian, how are you feeling about that Golden State Warriors of the Western Conference Finals? <laughs> oh, that, that one... I feel good about that one. Yeah. <laughs> wait till next. Uh, wait till next season. Though. Yeah. Hey, I preemptively they get, said that when they get <laughs> Steph Curry and Clay Thompson back, and then when they draft uh, Anthony Edwards or uh, Wiseman or Ball, yeah. number one overall. 
I hey, I'm big on them next year. I agree. Um, Andrew Wiggins, he's he's gonna light it up, and that that'll uh, that'll definitely uh, not, not not come back to bite me. Um, I remember we did uh, in October 2018. It was four games in the season. We said, "Who's a team that's under 500?" or 500 or worse, that can make the playoffs. You guys said Texans, Chargers, turned out to be right. I went kind of off the deep end, and I said, how about them Cowboys? And you all made fun of me. <laughs> and little do we know the Cowboys would trade for Mari Cooper and actually become a playoff team. So I, I was pretty proud of that one, as well as my Notre Dame to the college football playoff that year. If, you, if you told me Mari Cooper would have been on that team at that time when I said that, like, oh, yeah, I would have said they'd make the playoffs for sure after that. One of my worst takes that just came to me immediately was me picking Creighton to go to the Final Four in Oh, yeah. You picked him to win it all. Or you picked him to lose to Villanova. I picked him to lose to Villanova, um, but I did pick them to win it all in my actual bracket that year. But on the pod, yeah. I said- On the podcast. You lose. said Villanova would win, so there's a, a great take. Well, sure. But I said that Creighton would make it to the Final Four, and they lost in the first round to first Kansas round. State. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think my you, you you mentioned the Warriors take that I had that was really bad. I think my one of my worst ones was last season uh, in the NHL playoffs. I said the Tampa Bay Lightning would win the Stanley Cup, and they ended up being the first <laughs> team out of the playoffs. They yeah. didn't win a single game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so many people picked them to win, um, and they just totally flamed out. Yeah. Um, so I, I'll give you that one. Um, I just had. Had a good. Well, I've oh, got one. So I guess I, I our base. Yeah, this, this isn't actually like a good or bad take necessarily, but we can't review the history of our podcast without at least mentioning when we officially became an anti-caps. Uh, oh podcast. yes, you're right. When we officially, I mean, originally, uh, I think we became people accused us of this in like May of 2018 when we were all about the golden. Yeah, Knights. it was like. Yeah, when the Capitals are going through the playoffs. Because I hate the Capitals as a Penguins fan, and you're like, yeah, Golden Knights. So we <laughs> officially could be an anti-Capitals podcast. Well, we got accused of it, and then later on, another development happened that only cemented our status. If you want to elaborate on that, Corey. Um, I do. Um, I'm trying to get a little more info, but they're not coming up. Um, oh. Damn, I'm okay. So yeah, we're blocked by the Capitals on Twitter, and I can't even search for them. They're not even coming up. They blocked our Twitter account because of the greatest sports moments bracket of the 2010s, and me tweeting at them. So that officially made us an anti-Capitals podcast. But um, there is a documented photo of it. Uh, if you want to go like and retweet this tweet, and you know, tell people just how anti-Capitals we are. And uh, I made sure that you guys can see it. You can't see it on the the podcast, obviously. But I, I made sure to make sure the entire tweet was in lowercase letters because um, friendly reminder that we're an anti-capitals podcast. Yes, there it is. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, they, they were the only ones that blocked us. Actually, an interesting thing along those lines was we did have – Ben Jacobson, the head coach for Northern Iowa, retweet one of my tweets at you and I asking them to vote for uh, Ali Farokamanesh. And then he unretweeted it right away. Like he realized what he accidentally did. And it's like, damn, Ben, like now you have to lose. <laughs> um, yeah, we also had that uh, NBC Sportsnet anchor 
quote tweet us and talk about like how he was at both the Super Bowl and the Villanova UNC national championship game. And that led to so many Philly sports fans voting on that one. So that was pretty cool. Um, the only verified reaction we had on our podcast Twitter, other than the Capitals. still wild if us. you're a Philadelphia fan. And you were at yeah. that Super Bowl and that game. Oh right. Well, I mean, he was he was also like worked for NBC Sports Philadelphia, so he kind of had his his hookups there. Um, so I guess uh, let's let's quickly do a burning question. What has been the biggest highlight of the first fifty episodes of He's Done It? I know it's tough to choose something. But you know, one of you guys want to start no, off. Do you have a? We already yeah. brought it up. I, I think having the the top moment of uh, the greatest U.S. sports moments of the 2010s. Practice. Yeah, I thought that that went so yeah. amazingly, and and it wasn't something that was easy to do. Like even if someone had no. asked me to just build a list, I think I would have had a lot of trouble with it. It takes a lot of broad sports knowledge, especially not to leave out any obvious ones. Um, and I, I got to give you a lot of credit, Corey, for leading the way on that. And then with the reception we received online for it, I thought it was probably the most remarkable thing that's come out of this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with it. I think I was a little disappointed. Like, I was hoping that it could grow even more than it did, uh, especially the first round was so great. And then I think a lot of, like, teams' Twitter accounts started, like, hiding our replies and stuff. And um, it didn't end up being as successful throughout as it was in that first round. But it was so cool putting that together. And I'm glad you guys helped me assemble that list, you know, and make sure that we didn't have any kind of biases and stuff involved. Uh, but it was it was awesome. So if you're a listener who voted throughout that process, like thank you for helping that uh, become such a successful thing. And I hope that you it maybe didn't even know about us until this, and uh, you've you've continued to give us listens uh, moving forward because that was definitely a fun thing we did, and uh, we got to figure out something cool like that to do again. So I don't know what that is, but that was certainly a great way to uh, develop some fan interaction. Well, I, my attitude is so. always to try new things. Like, uh, if you look back at the original format that we had for the Ben and Corey podcast, and then compare it to where we are now, you know, change is good. You're trying new things yes, is good. I agree. And as long as we keep that attitude, I think we're headed in the right direction. Yep. And you know, as good as change is, there is one thing that we totally nailed on the first episode, <laughs> and uh, you don't have to be a sports fan to appreciate he's done it uh, because of the top five. So let's conclude in honor of the 50th episode of He's Done It. Let's count down our favorite, best, the number 50s things in today's top five. Not two, not three, not four. Top five, top five, top five. So Brian, you want to get us started? You bet. All right. So for my number five, I went with the fifty, the fifty states, the fifty United States. Of course, um, it's America. The United States of America is the greatest place to live. Uh, and another thing about it is that I've always, I've always been in elementary, middle, and high school. I was, I was never the best student. But one thing that I was always good at was geography, and. I it was I even made several GOBs and I remember one of the questions that uh that I got right um to make the school GOB instead of just the class one was figuring out the capital of I think it was Ohio and you don't and even I, remember. Yeah. I don't I don't know how the other person didn't get it, but I did and 
I think you're going to say, how many states are in the union? Oh, 50. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that I went with that as my number five. I actually came in second in my middle school's geography B in sixth grade. Oh, wow. And I and never got back. It was so close to the I, finish. I got yeah. third and third place in my fourth grade year in the school and then and then like the same thing in seventh grade in my I literally school. don't even know what you guys are talking about geography B <laughs> I, I didn't yeah. even know what geography meant until I went to college man South Carolina spelling public B and, school. Ge- and then geography B yeah yeah not a chance yeah it was basically yeah I and mean, just like well you already know where South Carolina is <laughs> that's all the geography you need <laughs> look around <laughs> Uh, okay. You and then got traveling wise, I've been to I've been to like I don't know a quarter or third of the states. And if you take out airports, I mean, because I've no airports count. Airports count. Airports count. Okay, then I've been to like half the states. Then nice. Uh, but hopefully, uh, I get to travel to almost all, if not all of them. So I went with that as my number five. My number four, I went with the fifty-fifty lifeline, which is the one of the three lifelines. And if there are more lifelines now, and who wants to be a millionaire, then then oh well i've i didn't know that <laughs> they've changed that uh, show a lot they don't even do it in like chronological order for prices anymore like wow prices. Oh, yeah that, that would drive me nuts because so i i watch i didn't i don't watch who wants to be a millionaire now but when it was regis philbin and it was you know the the same order and uh the three lifelines yeah like that's when i watched who wants to be a millionaire a ton and the 50 50 lifeline i think was by far the best one i mean like the contestants would always use to ask the audience lifeline right away if, if they didn't know the answer but they'd always save the 50 50 for last and and i if i were ever on that show which i plan on not being ever on that show because i'd lose immediately i would definitely save that one for less so i went with the 50 50 lifeline as my number four my number three i went with eddie house who was a former backup point guard for the Boston Celtics, uh, particularly the one, he was on the 2007-2008 Boston Celtics team that won the the NBA Finals. Uh, a lot of credit goes to KG, Paul, and Ray Allen for the success of the Celtics that year. But I think the bench of the of that team does not get enough credit. I love that bench: had Leon Poe, James Posey, PJ Brown. So many great players on that bench, but Eddie House, I, I was such a huge Eddie House fan. He was such a great shooter. And he had really the Celtics single season three point record at one time. Is is that so? Wow. Yeah. Percentage wise. Okay. Okay, that makes sense. Um, yeah. So Eddie House, I was a huge fan fan of during that time when he was with the Celtics. So I went with him as my number three, and my number two, I went with the with Fifty First Dates, which was uh. A uh, movie starring Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore, and in the movie, he meets this girl in uh, this restaurant and finds out about her past life, how she forgets everything that happened the day before. She remembers her first like thirty years or whatever how old she was, but she doesn't remember what happened the, the day before, and ends up um, falling in love with her, with her. And it's a very good Adam Sandler. I think it's a really underrated Adam Sandler movie. I mean, a lot. Of, a lot of people like Billy Madison and uh, Happy Gilmore is probably my favorite, but I think Fifty First Dates is probably his most Adam Sandler's most underrated movie, in my opinion. So I went with that movie as my number two, and my number one, I went with Jennifer Aniston. She 
is the best and she's the fact that she's in her 50s is amazing to me it's like because she doesn't look she looks like she's in still in her like 30s and she's been in so many great movies uh like where the millers horrible bosses bruce almighty marley and me uh and, and then of course friends as well which i was definitely a fan of so, so she's your favorite Jennifer person Aniston. who's older than 50 you know, he's kind of cheating with this one, but she did just turn 51 a few weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, I'll admit. So yeah. I'll let it slide. Like, she was <laughs> basically still 50. Yeah. Okay, okay. All right, I see. Um, <laughs> okay. My uh, top five 50s. Number five, the 50-yard line. Classic yard line, the 50-yard line. It's the only one yeah. that appears just once on the football field. It's also where the logo is uh, located. It's where they do the coin toss. There's a whole, uh, you know, it's a very special yard line, and I feel like if you're going to do a whole top five about 50s, you can't leave off. It's a classic. It's an essential one. It's the kind of 50 that shows up and gets the job done, doesn't need all the glamour. Uh, you know, it just, it works hard, keeps it, you know, it's the dividing line between you, enemy territory and your territory. It's, uh, it, it's just an important yard line. And I, I think it belongs firmly at number five on my top five list. Moving to number four, we've got 50 cent. And an- this is another obvious one. This is one that you can't have a top five 50s without 50 cent. Come on. This man did so much for the number 50. Uh, I mean, he has a very authentic rap uh, backstory. He sold crack as a 12 year old. He got shot. Uh, he sold 30 million albums worldwide. He won a Grammy. He starred in an autobiographical film called get rich or die trying, which was also the name of his debut album. And everybody knows into club by 50 cent. Yep. So that's a great yeah, one. If, if, if it wasn't so obvious, I would have him higher on the list. I think this is because it's my personal top five list. Um, I have other things on there, but this is a very obvious generic choice for top 50s easily. Um, I decided to leave him off just because I thought you guys definitely appreciate him more than I do. So I decided to leave him I off. I get that, first. but I also feel like 50 Cent has such mainstream appeal that, um, yeah, it's almost like you don't even need to put him on there. He is just assumed. I just feel like, I don't, I feel like I'm not a real fan since I only know the only songs I really like from him are in the club and then PIMP. <laughs> right. But which Corey will talk about more. later. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, so at number three, uh, coming in at number three is just the quote, I'm 50. Do you guys know what I'm referencing when I say that? No. Okay. No. Which is fine. It's not really our generation's thing. Uh, but it was kind of, a, a, according to my parents, a pretty popular SNL reference from back in the day. Uh, it's from an episode that Danny DeVito hosted. And the skit is this, uh, it's, the Rockettes are having an open audition and this woman named Sally O'Malley shows up and she's like, I like to kick and she kicks and she's like, and stretch. And she like widens her stance and like stretches and she goes and kick. I'm 50. And she tries to, uh, she basically tries out for the Rockettes, but she just keeps on bringing up the fact that she's 50 and she looks 50 also. So it's bizarre seeing this like, you know, 
middle-aged woman doing these high kicks with the Rockettes. And Danny DeVito uh, tells her she's too old. She'll never be a Rockette. Um, and then she's like, well, I'm going to I'm gonna do my best anyways. And she does this amazing dance number with the Rockettes. And she ends up being um, the oldest Rockette ever. That's like the 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 headline at the end of the show that like she's in the newspaper as the oldest rockette ever. Um, the story I told just now, it's not very compelling, but no SNL skits are all that compelling. It's all in the performance itself. And the character of Sally O'Malley is, is just ridiculous. Uh, so if you want to know what I'm talking about, it's obviously on YouTube. Uh, but when my mom turned 50, she wouldn't stop saying that all day. She's like, I'm 50. <laughs> And uh, it may be a reference from the past, but definitely one, the first thing that came to mind when I saw top five, uh, no, like top five fifties, I was like, oh, definitely going to have to go back for Sally O'Malley. So that's my number three. Moving on to number two. Now, this is a pretty niche one, but uh, when we talked about top five video games, Halo 3 was in my top five and it's in my top five fifties because uh, my number two is getting your 50 in Halo 3. Now, do you guys know what that means? I didn't no, play Halo 3. I, yeah, I didn't Halo have Xbox uh, as a Well, kid, so. uh, to any veterans out there uh, who played Halo matchmaking online, they'll know exactly what I'm talking about because in global like ranks online, uh, they were based on skill. And having a skill level of 50 meant you were the cream of the crop. You were a five-star general. You were the best of the best. And... To get your 50, you basically couldn't lose very much. Like If you were to have an account and you lost a lot at the beginning, it would make it almost impossible to reach 50. So it means that not only are you good, but you've only ever been good. And it was a high prestige type of uh, status symbol to be a 50 on global rank. So my friend who was really good at Halo used to make money by buying an Xbox Live account being really good and earning his 50 and then selling that account to other kids online because it was such a status symbol to be able to say you have a 50 that people would pay him real money to get a, an account that has a, a rank 50. Um, it was a huge clout thing. And um, I never had a 50 because I wasn't that good. But No? No, wow. no. I'm talking, it was hard. Like it was, yeah. you. like I remember my friend who, that, who was, that was his business was he sold at 50 accounts. Um, he would get genuinely like distraught if he lost like a few games. Because he's like, oh, now I've just wasted all these hours playing because now I'll never get my 50 because it's so hard to do if you ever lose. So, uh, but he was amazing. He rarely lost. So uh, coming in at number two, getting your 50 in Halo 3. And number one, uh, Super Bowl 50. It's a sports podcast. I know the top five is supposed to be outside of sports to a certain extent, but I got to give props to Super Bowl 50. This is one of my favorite Super Bowls. Um, February 7th, 2016, Levi's Stadium, home of the 49ers. Unfortunately, the Niners weren't playing in that game, but the dab on you all season long Carolina Panthers, led by MVP Cam Newton, lost 10 to 24 to Peyton Manning's last ride, Denver Broncos. Really entertaining game. I had a great time watching this one as a neutral fan. Um, especially because there was great defense being played on both sides. The Broncos had seven sacks and the Panthers had five. A defensive player won MVP for once. 
which was really only po- possible in the Super Bowl because it's a, such a small sample size of stats that it makes it possible for yeah, there's no no offense and yeah one. for a defensive player to win MVP. But the ending is what really is amazing for me because one of my favorite players ever, Peyton Manning, the sheriff, rides off into the sunset as a Super Bowl champion uh, for the second time in his career, but also in his last game ever. And he also, but like before he rode off into the sunset, he plugged Budweiser. He said he was going to go drink Budweiser. And the best thing that has ever happened is he kissed Papa John on the cheek. <laughs> on the <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> and if you don't believe me, if you're like, this guy's crazy, Google yep. it. Google Peyton Manning, Papa John kissing on in Super Bowl 50. And there's grainy photos, but it's definitely him. The original it Papa definitely John happened. coming out there yep. and Peyton Manning giving me a kiss. I mean, I, I that directly put money from my wallet into the Papa John's bank account. Because after that, I was like, that's the best promotion I have ever seen. I love this. And it's <laughs> the embodiment of the company, the human, Papa John himself. Oh, man. It's by far, that's, I mean, that overshadowed the game in a sense for me. And it's probably the number one reason why... Super Bowl 50 is my number one 50. Hey, that was my my favorite non-Steelers, non-Patriots losing Super Bowl. Um, Peyton Manning winning a Super Bowl is obviously great because uh, the the enemy of my enemy is my friend. So I was always a huge Peyton fan. Great way for him to end his career. Yes. Um, I also watched that Super Bowl with you at your apartment and many others. Uh, so that, that was definitely a fun memory. Just a nice, enjoyable one. Um, I also thought it was kind of sad, kind of funny that we were watching it with people in South Carolina and there were two people at the entire party rooting for the Panthers and everyone else who cared was rooting for the Broncos. Like I just felt bad for our our good uh, Panthers friends, Cody and Reeves, but um, losing the Super Bowl is never fun, whether you're among friends or not. Unfortunately, somebody has to lose. And to be fair, it's just crazy of all places, though. It's like you're you're in like your hometown area. Like people are drinking like Bud Lights with the Panthers logo <laughs> on them, <laughs> rooting for the Broncos. <laughs> but at the same time, I think the neutral fan maybe was rooting against the Panthers just because of how uh, pompous they were yeah. all season. Absolutely, I'm dabbing it like on my microphone right now because they were just. I mean, it was back when the dab was cool. It was before it became mm-hmm. ironic. And, um, you know, some people like to see Cam Newton get put in his place. So, uh, but enough about that. Super Bowl 50 was really about Papa John yes. and Peyton Manning, and that's why it's the best 50. All right. So I will take us home with my top five 50 things. And, and number five. 50 Nifty United States. Did you guys learn this song in elementary school? Nope. So it was Alabama, Alaska, yeah, Arizona, yeah. Arkansas, I California, Colorado, Connecticut. Went, went, went. So obviously Ben did it in South Carolina. Oh, what? There's, there's no states other than 50. South Carolina that matter. How right? many states are there? There's 13 <laughs> colonies. That's it. <laughs> so um, I, I have to give this one a huge shout out just because this song has been so handy for me in my life because it helps me know all the states very quickly which is great whenever i'm doing a sporkle quiz uh, which i love sporkle and it has anything that could potentially involve uh, knowing states 
I love Sporkle as well. I, yeah, I Sporkle's nail all great, those right? Sports. Yeah, well, I love, I mean, and usually geography sports ones. ones, but if it's Everything anything else like I... college, yeah, and I'm like guessing, it's like uh, Alabama, yeah, they're a good football team. Like, it, it, you know, just going through, like, uh, what's a, what are some of the California schools? They're like, uh, Indiana, uh, Notre Dame, and Purdue. Yeah, it's like being able to go through that list, I think um, that definitely helps me. So that's, that's something I still uh, sing to this day very often so that's my number five 50 nifty united states my number four also ben's number four 50 cent um and yeah of course in the club is a great song on his album get richard die trying but my favorite song is pimp i first heard that in summer of 2014 uh, when i was an intern and i was using pandora for music i would um I had a bunch of different like radio stations that I would listen to. And one of them was like summer hits of the two thousands and PIMP was on that radio. And I loved the song right away to the point where I decided to go as a pimp for Halloween that um, following October. So that became one of my favorite costumes. And 50 Cent is a big reason why the pimp costume even exists because of that great song. And we would also be remiss if we don't recognize one of the greatest tweets from the early days of Twitter. I can't believe my grandmother's making me take out the garbage. I'm rich. F this. I'm going home. I don't need this. Um, this is from August 26, 2010. And that's uh, a, a tweet that will certainly live in both fame and infamy for 50 cents. So that's my number four. Number three, buy one, get one, 50% off deals. Now, as a consumer... Obviously, I would rather have a buy one, get one 100% free. But from a producer's perspective, that's not always a great deal from them. They're relying on a lot, lot, lot more people to come in and buy this singular product so they can get the second one free and then have enough of them that they're not losing money off it. Anything less, though, you're like, okay, well, 25% off, that's not a whole lot of incentive. Like, yeah, it's something, but it's not great. 50% 50% off is a sweet spot for both producers and consumers because it's enough that as consumers, maybe we don't need a second one. But it's like, oh, 50% off. I yeah, might as well get it now so I don't have to worry about getting it later. Or you're you're ecstatic if you're planning on buying multiple right away and you're like, oh, 50% off. Perfect. And as producers, it's enough of a you know savings uh, that like you're not totally hurting yourself like you're gonna actually sell stuff but like you don't need to rely as much so to me bogo 50 percent off is a sweet spot everyone loves it that's my number 350 thing my number two following in the path of brian i'm going with jennifer lopez who truly is 50 and is this recency bias involved? Of course. You know, she was just at the Super Bowl halftime show, put on a great performance. Is this me, you know, trying to expand our audience, get some love from uh, people who maybe don't care about sports, but they love the Super Bowl because of Jennifer Lopez? They should listen to this when they see Jennifer Lopez on my top five graphics. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but she's very much deserving of this right now, uh, being in the top five 50s things. That being said, I tried to keep my list uh, kind of sporadic, uh, you know, try to have one one like category, everything very different from each other. So just a few honorable mentions of other people who are 50 that I could have put on this list but didn't include over Jennifer Lopez. Zach Galifianakis, say what you want about the Hangover sequels. The original Hangover is one of the best comedies of in recent memory. I love that movie and Zach Galifianakis and his role as Alan is a huge reason why. Ken Griffey Jr., 
he's probably the greatest baseball player of the steroid era, and he has no connections to steroids. Uh, everyone loves Ken Griffey Jr. It's a shame that he wasn't a unanimous Hall of Famer, and I'm so glad that Derek Jeter didn't get that honor over him. I also would like to give an honorable mention because... Uh, well, okay, so- come on. I got a few more. Let's settle down. Oh, I thought, I thought you were done. My no. Matthew McConaughey. Enough said. <laughs> Paul Rudd. <laughs> um, Paul Rudd, of course, he plays... Uh, he has so many hilarious roles, but 50 episodes of He's Done It. Look at us. Who would have thought? Not me. Here's the 50 more. And last but not least, Triple H, WWE superstar. Never my favorite wrestler, but he's from Nashville, New Hampshire, Brian and I's hometown. So I think it's so cool to be able to have a true star athlete like Triple H, who's uh, totally throughout his wrestling career doing actual wrestling moves and everything is totally real so he's uh he's really made a name for himself outside of the um ring as uh one of the the like wwe's executives so uh really cool seeing someone from my hometown doing that stuff and then last but not least i'll let you do your honorable mention after i go my number one it is a sad number one but nonetheless former red Sox, current dodger number 50 mookie bets and as as horrible as it is still that he's not on the Red Sox anymore, uh, I have to always appreciate what he did for the Red Sox in 2018, winning MVP that season, helping lead the team to a World Series victory, second best player in baseball. Very disappointing that he's no longer on my uh, favorite, at least American League baseball team, but I have to give respect and shout out where it's due. Number 50 and number one, Mookie Betts. All right, so Brian, go for your honorable mentions. So one of them you already mentioned, but another one, uh, the actress Julie Bowen, uh, who was in uh, Happy Gilmore, Horrible Bosses, she's in Modern Family. She turns fifty literally today. So oh yeah, I was gonna about, say I recognize. So I was that gonna, name. I was thinking about putting her, but it's like okay, I don't. Happy really birthday, know. Julie Bowen. Yeah, uh, but decided to put Jennifer Aniston instead, even though she's fifty-one. Wait, close wait, enough. Wait, wait. How many, yeah, how I, many I do we get so on our top more. five? How many? You get five, but we were given some honorable mentions. Hey, you gave you gave like 37 honorable mentions when we what? did SpongeBob. One time. <laughs> and that was I was making a point. There's so many. I could I could do a bunch of different 50s right now, too. We could go all night with 50s, okay? Yeah. I kind of struggled to come yeah, up with Yeah, I'm surprised that you like, guys oh, are like, well, I couldn't this. fit them all on my list because I struggled to get to five. I yeah. felt like I found some solid 50 ones. Fifty Shades of Grey, that's in the bottom five. But I don't know uh, anything. I haven't seen I, it or read it. So. I saw one of the movies. I think it was a sequel, and I was like, oh, my God, this is even worse than I thought it would be. Um, and then the $50 bill, that is the worst bill out there. It's small enough that it's not 100 but it's large enough to be like, what do I even spend this on? It's like, you get a 50, it's like, this is just going to my bank that's account. That's a good point. Like, that's a, that's a like, good you know, Go up to a bar, like, yeah, two Bud Lights, you- <laughs> use a 50. Like- if you asked just anyone, like, who's on the $50 bill, do you think m- most people would get it right or wrong? I have one in my wallet, and I don't think I know who's on the $50 bill. It's, I is think it- it's Ulysses S. Grant. That sounds right. I'm, I'm pretty Isn't sure. He- yeah, you know what? It is Grant. Yeah, hey, that's why um, Brian was a, the geography whiz. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that, that'll wrap up the 50th episode of He's Done It. Uh, thank you guys for helping us get to this point, but also thank you to our listeners who have stuck with us and, uh, you know, 
given us our, our criticism and in both positive and negative uh, to help us uh, continue to produce all of these episodes, you know, try to get better every time uh, we do this because we love it, but it's also important that people actually go back and listen later. Well, so. and as a, as a uh, prize, as a reward to our loyal listeners uh, for helping us get to the, our 50th episode, our next episode is going to be 50% off. That's right. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That's that is how off. generous we're feeling, because we're just so excited to have made it to our fiftieth episode. Yes. Well, yep, shouldn't buy, shouldn't it be the fifty second episode where the fifty first is buy one and then and then the fifty second is no this off? one you buy so you get the fifty the fifty first fifty percent off that's the oh, bogo okay. hey it is the ideal bogo deal so you guys are not gonna want to miss out on this one so for my co hosts Brian Wells and Benjamin Carlson. I'm Corey Novotny. Thanks, everyone.